Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Darren Miesner, who is VP of Operations at TransPlace. And today we're going to talk about how to prepare your supply chain for capacity challenges. Now, if there's one lesson learned from 2018 uh, for many companies that they actually learned the hard way is that you really have to prepare yourself for whatever twists and turns uh, you know, the transportation market might, uh, might throw at you in, in, the, in, in the future. Um, and, you know, so, you know, how do you prepare, you know, for, uh, you know, the transportation market? You know, what's required? And, you know, how do you know if you're on the right path or not? Well, those are the main questions we're going to address in today's episode. And it's great to have Darren on the program who's kind of in the front lines of this day in and day out, uh, working with shippers and carriers and, and really keeping a pulse of the transportation market to share his insights and advice on, the, on, um, on this topic. So, uh, Darren, welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me, for sure, Adrian. Uh, happy Good Friday. Happy Easter to you, sir. Great. Well, uh, thank, thank you. And, uh, yeah, you know, be, you know, before we dive into this meaty topic, you know, I've had many of your colleagues there at TransPlace on, on talking logistics in the past. And, you know, I'm always curious how people get involved with this industry to begin with. So, before we get started on the topic, why don't you briefly tell us a little bit about your career path, how and why you got involved with logistics, and what your current role and responsibilities are there at TransPlace? Sure. Well, um, you know, it's not, it wasn't your typical love affair, if you will, of me coming into supply chain and logistics. I, I graduated from the University of Arkansas in, in 2000 and, and, and had a mathematics degree and thought I was going to do something completely different. Uh, as you know, in 2000, uh, the dot-com bubble was there. I found it a little bit troubling to get a job for a while, to be honest with you. I had some mutual friends that I graduated with uh, at college that actually got their foot in the door at TransPlace and introduced me, and, and you know, and kind of the rest is history. And as you think about kind of my path, I've been here 19 years, all in operations, have some Lean Six Sigma background, Greenbelt certification. But really, my key here to get me where I am today is really those people when I came here to work that that were leaders for me. I was extremely best to come in and work on some higher profile, uh, really good customers with some really great leaders that really molded me well. And, and, and what's really cool about it too, is a lot of them are still here today that I work with. So that's pretty neat. Um, today I'm VP of operations. So I've got a team of people that are managing the tactical operations, managing the strategic operations for several of our clients, whether that be in CPG, whether that be in retail, whether that be in manufacturing or CPG. So again, I'm kind of responsible for those tactical teams and that strategical direction and then dealing with topics that we're going to talk about today. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, I think if there's one common thread uh, for most of my guests on the program when I ask them that question is that, you know, it, uh, it wasn't a love affair to begin with. You know, everybody started in a different path and some one way or another ended up, you know, in, in this industry, you know, myself, I like I always tell folks, you know, I started on engineering and, new product developing and manufacturing and which I guess you can argue is a little bit of, you know, it's part of the supply chain, but I, I didn't really know that it was a supply chain until I, I started doing, you know, doing this, but you know, great background. You've been at it for a long time. So you've seen a lot, you know, in this industry, a lot has changed uh, since the dot-com days for sure. Um, and, uh, you, but, but that's what makes this industry so uh, interesting and, and fun to be in because it's always, uh, you know, ever changing. And certainly that is true about the transportation market. So, so let's talk a little bit about that now. Okay. Uh, you know, we're, we're a quarter into 2019 already. So maybe as a way to get started, I mean, how, how would you characterize the current state of the transportation market, particularly from a, from a capacity standpoint? Are, are things better or worse today than they were a year ago at this time? 
Yeah, I mean, if you think about certainly better right now, we saw really that increase in capacity and the loosening, if you will, start to happen in Q4 of 18. Um, and we're continuing to see it within what we're seeing within 2019 to this point. But I also have to remind people, you know, it's somewhat relative because the end of 17 and 18 was very bad. Um, so things feel better now. But historically, if you look at the spot market, for example, we're still well above the areas where we were in 2015 and 2016 and early with, you know, within 2017. But it's, it's an interesting feeling right now. You know, I've been doing this for 19 years. I, I can kind of register three events that have happened over my career that feel kind of what feels like right now with the capacity crunch and then the loosening that we've seen, you know, and that was the mid 2000s with hurricane Katrina. And then what we saw in 2014 with the polar vortex and then kind of what we saw with, you know, two back-to-back -back hurricanes, meaning regulatory items within late of 2017 going into 2018 and what we felt. So how that kind of impacts the market, it's interesting, a lot of the negotiations for bids and such that we'll talk about today as well, you know, a lot of that takes place in Q4 that's going to be implemented within Q1 of a, of a cycle. So like we saw in 2014, I think contracted rates are still probably a little above, obviously, what we're obviously seeing in the spot market. Because if you look at our metrics across our board, when you look at primary tender acceptance, you look at what we're seeing in the spot market, we're actually seeing spot market pricing lower than contracted pricing right now. But, you know, there's usually a six month lag between what we see in the spot market contracting market. So I think, too, I always remind people right now, we've got a, a season called produce season in front of us right now that could be triggerous one way or the other. So we continue to monitor it, but um, it's definitely looking better than it did in late 17 and all of 2018. You know, you mentioned a few things there that kind of is a reality of the market, right? You mentioned, you know, Katrina and you mentioned the polar vortex. I mean, the reality is all it takes is for some kind of natural disaster, you know, to occur, unfortunately, or a strike or, you know, something happening with, uh, uh, you know, that, that can kind of set the, the supply demand imbalance, uh, you know, of, of course, to really, you know, change the market, which is why it's so important to really keep a pulse on what's happening, because it doesn't take much, you know, to uh, really change the course of, uh, of the market. Um, you know, so, you know, like I said, in my opening remarks, I mean, you know, one thing is about the transportation market, is that it's always changing. So knowing that, I mean, how do you adequately then prepare effectively for whatever conditions might ex exist on their own? I mean, how, how do you get started there? Yeah, I mean, you're right. The market is always changing. And here our mindset has, uh, has been, look, we, we can't rest on just because things are better right now in, in, in April of 2019, right, coming out of what we came out of. You have to be consistent with your approach. We have to understand the markets. And whether it's favorable or unfavorable, you still have to have the same approach. And, and really, when you think about getting those disciplined approaches, I spoke a little bit earlier about about a little bit of my Lean Six Sigma involvement here, and it's really within our DNA here at Transplace and what we do. Um, and not to get too Lean Six Sigma here, but um, you know, there's a dimming improvement cycle that we utilize quite a bit here. And for simplistic terms, it's really just an improvement model, right? That uses some logical sequences and steps. And within that, it's a it's a PDCA model, and PDCA stands for obviously plan, do, check, and act. And as I was thinking about this topic and as we incorporate this within our operations, that's really what we do. Um, portions of that are very dynamic, whether it's uh, the planning aspect of it when you're talking about forecasting or having engineering involved, and then really we want to simplify the operational aspect of it to where 
we can show continuous improvement when we go through the Hurricane Katrina's, when we go through the polar vortexes, we should get better with our continuous improvement. We should be able to have uh, items within that repeatable. And, you know, that's kind of how we approach that today in, in, in our mindset of going about that. Yeah, it's a great framework. I mean, I, I, you know, I mentioned earlier, I started my career in manufacturing where it was at, it was at Motorola and certainly Six Sigma and, and Lean Manufacturing was, was part of that culture as well. So I was kind of indoctrinated with, you know, Lean Six Sigma thinking as well. So, you know, the, the, the plan, uh, you know, uh, do act and, and check model, you know, makes a lot of, uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, so, so let's start with, you know, with, with the plan side, right? Maybe step through some of those steps a little bit. Um, you know, I love this, you know, quote by Abraham Lincoln, you know, he said, you know, give me six hours, you know, to chop down a tree and I will spend the, you know, the first four hours, you know, sharpening the ax. I mean, how does, how does that relate or how does that advice, um, you know, apply to transportation planning? Sure. And that's a good quote. I think it makes, makes a lot of sense in, in, in how you approach the capacity aspect. And, and really when in our world, a lot of times transportation wise, when you think about capacity you're obviously thinking about carriers and 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 capacity and understanding lane sets and volumes etc but again when you go back to the pdca model the planning aspect of this the forecasting piece is absolutely instrumental in setting you up for success as you, as you go as you go through the capacity aspect so you want to know your accurate volumes right from your shipper if you're a shipper you need to spend the time you need to spend the engineering piece of it you need to spend the the efforts to put in a good playbook, if you will, for what's going to happen within your network. You know, make sure that you understand your seasonalities, your surges, your holiday schedules, for example. Even those can be significant depending on when they fall during the week, right? Um, and so, and again, do that as often as possible and update it as much as you can. Um, I think it shows too to the carriers, if you come to the table with a playbook, and you understand your business and show the importance to them of, of them understanding your business, then they're extremely invested in your business and, and, and can plan appropriately as well and can flex when the market, you know, goes up and down. Um, another aspect is just the network optimization uh, of your network, obviously. Uh, make sure you're looking at it regularly. Make sure you have your DCs, your plants in the right locations, feed the market right to your customers, uh, making sure that, you know, you have a service offering that's going to meet your customers' demands. Make sure you got the tools and the expertise to really look at that and and see, hey, you know, are we doing this the right way? And that that includes mode mix as well. You know, are you sending stuff truckload and intermodal that should be going truckload and intermodal based on your network, based on the available capacity that you have, and and really bring that framework as to the precursor of kind of the action piece of this and the checking piece of this as we move forward. You know, I don't I don't want to I don't want to mention too much here on preferred shipper and receiver because that's been a hot topic in our industry for a while and, and, and everyone I think deems it's important but I think it is important to to reiterate the fact that within this process you need to make sure that you're defining your operations well to your carriers as you go into the bid process and gaining this capacity they need to understand right uh, your lead times they need to understand if you have drop uh, of equipment availability for for them to drop their equipment you know, are you purchasing the right order quantities? And another thing that we really focused on here and spe specifically in the retail market is, is smoothing of volume, right? So really taking a look at if I have 50 shipments shipping out a week from point A to point B, let's make sure I'm not 40 of them are shipping on Friday to deliver Monday, right? And to really be able to go back and work with our clients, work with their sales team, 
work with their planning team to see how do we smooth that out, make it more carrier friendly and, and really just achievable, right? You know, a lot of what you said kind of reminds me going back to my product development days. I mean, I think it's, you know, when, you, when you're doing, you know, uh, any kind of product development, um, the more time you invest in the design and making sure it's right and making sure that you've answered all those key questions, um, the more, um, you know, the likelihood that you're going to find success at the, at the back end is going to be higher. And, and number two is that you're going to minimize, you know, any kind of issues that, that emerge. It's much easier to and less costly to fix them at the design phase than it is, you know, once things are up and running, right? And right. I think it's a similar type of thing here too, that, you know, it, it makes sense to invest, you know, the time, the resources, the energy to go through everything you just talked about from a planning standpoint, because, you know, um, if you're up and running, um, it's much harder to kind of make those changes later on if, if you already are constrained, if you will, by, you know, poor planning decisions or a network that's misaligned with market realities and, and so forth. I think the other thing you mentioned, um, you, you, you kept saying you check it regularly, right? Because I think, you know, the joke in supply chain is that the, you know, there's one thing you always know about the forecast or the plan is it's always going to be wrong, right? right. Um, but I think if you at least try to get to as much, uh, as accurate as possible, at least at this point in time, um, you're going to be, you know, better set up moving forward. But I think it's all obviously very important. And obviously that's part of the, the whole overall process here, you know, to continuously update, you know, the, the plan and the forecast and so forth, because things change from day one, right? You, you pick up new customers, maybe you lose some customers, uh, right. maybe you, op you open up new stores or new locations. So that's, that's always going to be something that that's in flack in, in flux there. Um, which kind of brings me to the, the, the do aspect, right? The do phase of, of, you know, PDCA. I mean, what, what are some important considerations as part of the, the, the do phase of this process? I mean, is there, is there a one size fits all approach? I don't think there is. I mean, as far as uh, our experience here, and first I'll say do bid, bid annually. Um, it makes a lot of sense. We see the best results consistent, right? When you just talk about what happened with, with uh, shippers networks over the last 12 months, a lot of things can happen. A lot of things can happen within the carrier's network as well, right? That makes them more efficient, inefficient, your business more or less attractive. So do the reset, do the annual reset. So that's my first uh, bit of advice there as far as that goes. But when you go into your bid aspect, a um, couple of different strategies that we see pretty regularly, you know, we'll see the typical bid where you're taking out 80, 90% of, of, of your network out to your core carrier base and you're running a bid. Pretty simple, straightforward. We've seen a lot more um, of our clients and our approach with them hand in hand to say, hey, let's look at this a little more, more strategically based on what the market's doing. And the market should be, could be favorable or unfavorable. But, you know, we have a core carrier base that we're trying to protect, protect and we really like, right? So let's look at our top 10, 15 core carriers. If we have a cost out number, if we have a goal that we want to get to from just a pure bid perspective, let's have conversations with them first because typically those 10 or 15 carriers are going to manage 60 to 80% of your freight anyway. So you want to make sure that you're partnering with them and, and that's a good way to get, you know, continued with your incumbents and potentially get as close to a number that you're wanting to get to. Uh, and then we also see uh, an aggressive approach depending on markets, depending on the network that you're trying to bid out, depending on the portion of the country, for example, you're trying to bid out based on whether the capacity is good or bad. And that's really just trying to be as aggressive as possible up front with negotiating with 80, 90% of your carriers. And then maybe only taking those loser lanes out that you've really seen from a bleed cost perspective over the last year or where 
you know, carriers may not be servicing very well, or your forecasting tends to be way up and down. Maybe it's something where you're going to go put it out to bid, try to get more shared capacity, you know, et cetera. The other thing that I mentioned there is, you know, all of this is just, you know, staying close with your carriers too, and really understanding how an asset broker ratio fits within your mix as well. Um, I think that's key. You know, um, we all, we, we obviously use uh, a ton of assets, try to commit as much as we can in, in that aspect of what we do in our business, but brokers, when it comes to tell freight, volatility, swings in the market, you know, there's, there's brokers can play a, a niche for within your network and it makes sense for really study, you know, how they can make an impact and be effective. Now, are you seeing, you know, there's so much discussion uh, over the you know, past couple of years with things like OTIF, right, on time and fall, and the service requirements are coming, you know, much, much more, you know, tighter. I mean, obviously, there's, you know, balancing cost of service has always been important, you know, as part of this phase in terms of doing out the bids and talking to carriage. I mean, are you seeing the, the, the service component becoming even more critical where, hey, maybe you're willing to pay a little bit more now because, you know, when you're dealing with some of these retailers or customers where, you know, the penalties might, you know, can eat up some of the, uh, right. you know, cost savings yeah. you know, where you're willing to pay more now if, if you know you've got reliable, you know, carriers that are consistently going to be able to meet your, you know, those OTIF requirements. Are you seeing that playing a bigger part in, the, in this part? We absolutely are. Um, I, absolutely. We're seeing a lot of different approaches with just separate procurement events for specific retailers, for example, right? Where we're trying to focus on um, where we can get drop trailers, where we can get committed capacity. Um, but what I always tell everyone is we, we, we tend to try to want to really put our thumb on the carriers and make them do what they're what they say they're going to do and what we need them to do. And that's great. And we have some great partner carriers, but we try to take an approach too that some of the things we already talked about, we have to look beyond that. We have to look at the order smoothing, for example, we have to look at utilizing our robotics to get the best delivery appointments. Someone may not think of that that's available at some of these larger uh, CPGs and retailers, right? Because if you're requiring others to grab that information, it's typically not as timely. We have things where we're grabbing immediate appointments through our robotics and we can immediately pass that on to our carriers. And hey, they've got a better appointment than someone else, right? Um, so those are the things. Again, let's don't have 80% of our 300 mile runs picking up on Friday and delivering on Monday. That's not carrier friendly, right? So those are the things in addition to that you have to look at beyond just purely different approach with carriers. No, that's a great point. I mean, tr truly, this is a, you know, a much more holistic, um, you know, you have to take a much more holistic approach, you know, to this and, and really, you know, analyze it much more broadly than, you know, just simple, you know, what, what's the cost on, on this lane and, and, and so forth. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw another, you, you know, uh, famous quote on you here, you, you know, and that is from the sociologist, uh, William Bruce Cameron. He said, you know, not everything that counts can be, you know, counted and not everything, that can be counted counts, right? Um, you know, some things uh, you just can't really measure, uh, you know, very well, but you know they're important and other things that you are you might be measuring, but really aren't that important. You can get kind of inundated with, you know, too many metrics and too much, you know, too much data. Um, so, so keeping this in mind, I mean, how should companies approach the, uh, you know, the check phase of this process? I mean, what, what, what metrics or, or scorecards are important here? Well, again, I, I kind of mentioned towards it a little bit earlier, this is a simplified portion to me. Uh, I mean, we need some robust and disciplined scorecarding and measures and what we're doing with analytics and BI on our side 
of how we're approaching this, but it's not like we're looking at 20 different metrics. We're looking at four or five metrics, you know, our, our carriers um, picking up and accepting loads that they said they would with primary tender acceptance and through our routing guide compliance. Are they servicing the business? Pretty straightforward, right? Uh, as a shipper, are you giving an ample amount of lead time? We're looking at buckets less than 24 hours, 24 to 48 and 48 beyond. We typically find the carriers like that 48 to 72 hour bucket uh, as far as a lead time. So those are measures we're looking at. Forecast, uh, forecast accuracy, right? That's a big thing of post-bid compliance that we're looking at. If you said you were going to ship 10 on this lane this week, you're actually shipping 20. Again, it's not the carrier's fault. If we have a forecasting issue, we need added capacity. How do we go about, you know, rectifying that aspect of it? And then just the cadence of it again, right? Have, have some regimentation to it. Make sure you're talking to your carriers regularly about the outputs of what you have with your scorecarding to ensure, again, instill that confidence that you know what's going on with your market. You understand how their networks are changing, because they do. From a carrier's perspective, they do. And then, uh, you know, just make sure you're having that constant communication with them to stay on the same page because, you know, you have to be able to realize that uh, relatively quickly before things get out of hand because you're going to end up not having the carriers you want on lanes. You're going to have too much volume. You're going to be in the spot market. You're going to be spending a lot more money than you anticipated. It just starts to snowball if you're not keeping up with the, with the metrics. Yeah, I mean, I think this is an area where I think, um, you know, a lot of companies don't invest a lot of time as much time as they should in terms of understanding, you know, what are the right metrics? You know, a lot of cases they have too many metrics and they're not really focused on. Uh, so it, it makes it difficult for them to focus on what really matters. Number one. And uh, you know, and then no, number two is, you know, just metrics that just aren't aligned ultimately with, you know, their objectives. Right. Um, and not only their objectives, but, as you mentioned earlier, you know, at the end of the day, this really is an, an ecosystem, right? So it's, it's kind of, it should be aligned with the objectives of your objectives, the carrier's objectives in terms of is it the right business for them. Are you meeting their needs as well? The whole shipper of choice, you know, type of discussion. And then obviously, you know, the objectives of your customers, your consignees, you know, your retailers right. and others that are, uh, you know, expecting you to, you know, deliver, uh, you know, for them. So really taking that, you know, defining metrics that align with, you know, each of those constituencies in, in, a, in a balanced, uh, you know, way. Uh, so, so Darren, we're running short on time here. So I'm just going to go right to my last question, which will get, gets to, you know, the last part of this framework, you know, the, the A piece or the ACT piece. I mean, what differentiates the leaders from the laggards when it comes to the ACT phase? I mean, uh, and, and uh, you know, and then just in preparation in general, what, what separates the leaders from the laggards? Um, and as it says, act is, I always say you have to do something with the information. You know, you, you have to have to walk the walk with your carriers and be able to give them good feedback and understand your network. I always say post bid compliance. Once it starts to go awry, you have to be nimble, you know, or, or those gaps. You go back to the late 17 and all throughout 18. If you have gaps and you're going to the spot market or you're overblowing your capacity with your forecasting, you're going to be spending a lot of money and in turn on potential providers that may not be able to service your business appropriately. So make sure that you're nimble with that. We're doing mini bids here at Transplace every other week, for example, when the market is, is really, really difficult to ensure that, you know, we're not necessarily looking for carrier churn. We're looking to work with the carriers, but also looking to fill those gaps because the Delta between what you should be spending and what you are spending and what we've seen in 17 and 18 is quite large. And, to be nimble with that is, is key. And, and again, 
Make sure you've got the right business intelligence too and the scorecarding aspect to be able to allow you to make those decisions and, uh, you know, understand those trends and, and where you're going and, and be nimble. I've said it three or four times, but that's the key, right, to me. Yeah, and I think, you know, another aspect we didn't even talk too much about, but, but I think it, it, in some ways it goes without saying, but maybe we should say it directly, is that, you know, you can't underestimate the role of people in all this and, and the role of, you know, technology can play, particularly with BI and analytics and, and, and the data that's out there to help, you know, identify these things. And, and certainly that's the role that, you know, whether you have those capabilities in-house or you work with a third-party partner to provide those, I mean, that that's, becomes another critical element, right? Do you have the, the people that understand the market and, the exp- and, and, you know, not only understand the transportation market, but how that impacts your business, as well as, you know, the technology to be able to make these smarter decisions faster, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we didn't we didn't mention uh, much. You, you look at all the the data that we have throughout our eight and a half billion dollar network to be able to tell what's going on and what markets, all the great partners we have out there for market data. So that's I feel like that I glossed over that just because it's, it's like a given for us now. We've got so much information at our fingertips that goes, goes into our decision making. And, then, you know, and again, on the back side of that to try to relieve some of the pressure too from just uh, the, the the market aspect. You talked about technology. We're trying to leverage AI as much as we can in machine learning. We're really starting to gain some momentum with dynamic continuous moves when we have in our system. When you, again, eight and a half billion dollars worth of freight. We're starting to truly capitalize really well on that. Um, and then we're also with our market data and our intelligence trying to look in the future, you know, for particular markets to see what is going to be happening with price and capacity. You know, instead of waiting to buy spot market capacity three days from now, why don't I buy it today if I know it's going to be better buying today than it is three days from now? So just the intelligence aspect of that. And that's really just uh, what we're focusing on. Great. Well, uh, Darren, like I always like to say at the end of all our episodes, uh, you, you know, this, these, these are such meaty topics. You know, we, we could probably spend, you know, two hours or a whole conference, you know, talking. Obviously, you've got your, your conference coming up, uh, you know, not, not too long from now where a lot of these topics I'm sure are going to get, uh, you know, d- discussed. But I think we covered a lot of ground today. You provided some great, you know, food for thought and, and advice and, and some actionable, you know, advice for folks to take. So really appreciate you making the time to be with us today. Hey, thank you for happening. I really, really appreciate it. And again, happy Good Friday. Happy Easter. Great. Well, thank you. And I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, If you're watching this episode on demand, either at the TransPlace website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Darren, you can post it there. And I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.